0: Thank mm-hmm. you. talked about the disappearance of Heather Elvis, and today we are going to be talking about serial killer Ronald Dominique, also known as the Bayou Strangler, who you can most definitely say nearly got away with murder. So let's get started. Ronald Joseph Dominique was born on January 9th, 1964 in Thibodeau, Louisiana, which is one hour from both New Orleans and Baton Rouge, so it sits right in the middle. He's the youngest of two children, having an older sister. His parents were poor and they all lived in a very small run-down trailer park on the outskirts of the city. He attended Thibodeau High School and graduated in 1983. In high school, he was in the glee club and sang in the school choir. His classmates described him as a quiet person who was overweight, lacked communication skills, and he had a heart problem. They didn't describe that he had a heart problem, but he did have a heart problem. Kids in school are very terrible people in the sense of they bully people, and I mean... All ages in school from elementary school to high school are just bullies. He was very unpopular and people only knew him because he was the overweight shy kid that sung in the choir and he became a social outcast. He wasn't a hyper kid in school, he didn't participate in sports, he didn't drink or smoke and that made him quote-unquote a lame person. I've been told in high school that I was a lame person because I was quiet and that I didn't drink or smoke. That's like, uh, we're all underage here. What are you talking about, drinking? Stop it. Basically, you're always told lame because of who you are, and I find that to be absolutely crazy. Don't listen to people because kids are the worst. Ronald said that. The constant bullying made him hate himself and hate his life. Ronald said in this time of his life he felt powerless. And anyone that says that, that they have this need for power or they hate when they feel powerless, is the answer to the question you weren't asking. That statement alone tells you that the type of person you're dealing with, literally, is a dangerous person. Because we all know that killers crave what? During this time in high school, um, Ronald began experimenting with his sexuality, and then he shortly realized that he was gay. But because of the bullying that he was receiving just for the type of person he was, he never admitted that he was gay. He started visiting the local gay bars, but was seen by some classmates, which led to more bullying. And the name-calling and people would keep harassing him about his sexuality and he would deny it over and over again. If you're listening to this and you are in high school or any age in general, never bully someone for who they are because you never know what someone is going through. Now, what Ronald did was horrible, most definitely, like he's a horrible person. But just don't bully people. Um, Never bully someone because that could literally push them over the edge into becoming a serial killer or becoming a school shooter. Like, we've seen it happen before, time and time and time over again. Because a lot of people crave power or they want to get back at people that made their life a living hell. Never bully someone for the way they look, their sexuality, their personality. Because I believe in karma. And I believe that if you treat people bad, people are going to treat you bad. It's simple as that. Also, know that when it comes to high school, it comes and goes in four short years. It is... You'll realize how time goes by fast. Like, once I graduated, I was so happy because I knew that I was never going to see those people again and I've never seen them again. It's a part of life and you'll realize just how fast it goes and, you know, you're probably never going to see those people again, but don't bully people. Please don't. Quick rent is over. (laughs) Ronald didn't fit into the gay community. Locals at the bar would feel uncomfortable and off-putting whenever he was around. He attended Nichols State University, where he studied computer science, but it wasn't interesting enough to him, so he dropped out in the mid-1980s. He worked a lot of low-skill labor jobs, just because he wasn't qualified for anything else. He had a lot of disciplinary issues, which caused him to get fired over and over again. Because he was always getting fired, he didn't have a stable income. He would live off his mother and sister's income and even lived with his sister. On June 12, 1985, Ronald was arrested on charges of sexual harassment via telephone, to which he pleaded guilty and paid a fine of $75. On May 15, 1994, he was arrested for drunk driving but only had to pay a fine and was let go. Two years later, on August 25, 1996, Ronald was arrested for rape after his neighbors reported seeing a half-naked man jump from one of the windows in Ronald's sister's house. Ronald was arrested and his bail was set at $100,000 and the case went to court and they couldn't find the victim to testify so the case was dismissed in November 1996. On February 10th, 2002, Ronald was arrested again. This time, it took place at the Mardi Gras festival. Ronald claimed that a woman was driving reckless and hit a baby stroller. So, he went up to her, confronted her, and after she apologized, he punched her in the face. He was charged, but the case was dropped. So, time and time again, you can see that Ronald keeps getting away with everything and keeps getting to pay a two dollar fine. Ronald would spend most of his time at the local gay bars doing impersonations of Patty LaBelle. Like he really loved Patty LaBelle. Is that the woman that makes the pies at Thanksgiving? I think it is her, yeah. She makes amazing pies. But he was really into Patty LaBelle. But People hated it. They said that it was bad. And people just didn't like him for whatever reason. No one ever liked him ever since he was a child. And therefore, he struggled to find his place in the gay community. He struggled to make friends and was unable to establish an intimate relationship. Again, Ronald felt the exact same way as he did in high school where no one liked him. No one wanted to be around him and he felt out of place. Those feelings of rage were coming back and all he wanted was to feel power. Ronald would meet men just walking around and in the local gay bars. He would lure them with alcohol, drugs... A place to stay, sex for money, and he would have a picture of a random woman on his phone and show the men and say, like, hey, wanna have sex with my wife? I'll pay you. And these men would say yes. After convincing the men, Ronald would lure them to his trailer, overpower them, tie them up, rape them, and then strangle them to death. He would dispose of the bodies using his truck and dumping their bodies in rural areas along six parishes. Now, um, Louisiana is broken up into parishes. Um, Jamaica does that as well. Um, Other places do like boroughs and stuff, but if you're like six parishes, it's broken up into like six parishes. In July 1997 authorities find 19 year old David Mitchell he was hitchhiking home from his grandmother's house after attending a birthday party his body was found on July 14th in a ditch along the highway in st. Charles Parish they found water in his lungs and rule his death as a accidental drowning David's father said that that's not possible because his son was an excellent swimmer, and when they found his body, his pants were found around his ankles. David's father knew that someone was responsible for his death, but it remained unsolved for nine years. In December 1997, in St. Charles Parish, 20-year-old Gary Peer was found strangled to death. His body was found fully clothed and he had no defensive wounds. Seeing as, you know, he was young and fit, he was only 20, people or authorities found that to be strange. July 31st, 1998, 38-year-old Larry Ranson was found in St. Charles Parish as well. His body showed signs that he did put up a fight. In October 1998, Ronald murdered 27-year-old Oliver LeBanks in Jefferson Parish, When they did an autopsy, they found traces of semen inside Oliver's body. The same month, October 1998, 16-year-old Joseph Brown met Ronald and he then lured him to his truck and then beating him to death and strangling him with a plastic bag and disposing of his body in Jefferson Parish. One month later, November 1998, 18-year-old Bruce Williams was found. May, 1999, 21-year-old Manuel Reed was raped and strangled in his truck, then disposing of his body in an industrial zone in Jefferson Parish. DNA was found and recovered from his body. June, 1999, Ronald murdered 34-year-old Angel Miha. He was found on the outside of a dumpster, and authorities believe that he was left that way instead of in the dumpster because the dumpster was full. In August 1999, Ronald took 34-year-old Mitchell Johnson into the forest where he tied him up, raped, and strangled him. His body was found fully nude with markings on his body showing that he was tied up on September 1st. So we are nine victims in, not even halfway through, and police were, you know, trying to find out who was responsible for these murders, but the department didn't want to give overtime for the detectives working these cases because more overtime means more money, and a lot of police departments don't really have the fundings for it. So. A lot of them had to stop working or attempt to work on these cases like on their own time, but you could only do so much without the resources. And of course it's sad because money is so powerful and controls everything. And sometimes it leaves me wondering if, like no one wants a serial killer just roaming around Um, Sometimes I wonder like if it's because these men were mostly black men that lived a certain lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and run-ins with the police and that's why I'm not going into details about which- about the type of people they were because most of them did drugs and alcohol and I feel like That doesn't do them enough justice because there's more to them than that Um, and of course the media is not going to let you know the type of person they are. They're just going to tell you that they had runnings with the law so that's why I'm not going into detail about each of these men just because the type of lifestyle they live doesn't really give them, doesn't do them justice as the type of person they are. In January 2000, Ronald murdered 23-year-old Michael Vincent and his body was discovered in Lafourche Parish. Two years later, in October 2002, he murdered 20-year-old Kenneth Randolph Jr. He was a three-time prosecuted child molester who lived near Ronald in a trailer park. Ronald lured him into his trailer, tied him up raped him and strangled him on october 12 2002 ronald meets 26-year-old anoka jones in Terrebonne parish he tied him up raped and strangled him ronald dumped his body under a highway overpass and his body was discovered only hours after ronald disposed of him ronald and his sister move to the bayou blue And it was a community of around like 32,000 people. He started working as a specialist who checked electricity levels at local power supply places. And because of this job, he was traveling a lot, giving him more access to people. After moving, he meets 19-year-old Daryl Woods. His partially naked body and his bicycle were found on May 24th, 2003, just outside the city. The cause of death was initially ruled as accidental asphyxiation because of his asthma. Now let's put two and two together. Because no one is found half naked when they have an asthma attack. At least I don't think so. No, they, they're never found half-naked when they have an asthma attack. So I don't know what behooved them to make that decision, but it didn't really- it never adds up. It never does. October 2004, Ronald meets 46-year-old Larry Matthews. Ronald lured him to his house, but Larry fell unconscious due to an overdose but Ronald still decided to rape and strangle him. He dumped his body 20 miles away. Larry wasn't reported because he had no close friends or family that would notice and his identity had to be confirmed through fingerprints. We are at victim number 15. 21-year-old Michael Barnett was found on October 24th, 2004. February 2005, 22-year-old Leon Lorette was found dead and he was friends and lived with two of the previous victims, Onoka Jones and Michael Barnett. He was a suspect in the Onoka Jones murder because he was the last person to see him alive. April 2005, 31-year-old August Watkins was lured to Ronald's truck after Ronald offered him a place to stay for the night. Ronald gave him alcohol and offered sex with a female friend before tying him up, raping, and strangling him. And his body was found in LaForche Parish. Seventeen victims later, the police come to this realization that maybe there is a serial killer committing these murders because the MO is the same. So they handed the case over to the FBI. 23-year-old Kurt Cunningham's body was found on April 2005. In July 2005, 28-year-old Alonzo Hogan's body was found in St. Charles Parish. 17-year-old Wayne Smith's body was found in Terrebonne Parish. At this time, in late August 2005, is when Hurricane Katrina hit. So, with this hurricane, this is number one priority. It was the only thing on the news and investigators were, one, trying to survive, and two, their work was set back because, you know, they were occupied with the hurricane and paperwork, all that stuff, was damaged. In September 2005, Ronald murdered 40-year-old Chris DeVille, who was trying to hitchhike out of Napoleonville, trying to escape the hurricane. Ronald disposed of his body in a field where it was eaten by rodents. His remains were discovered in October, and he was identified through family and because he had his ID with him. In November, 21-year-old Nicholas Pellingrin was found dead in Lafourche Parish. His death at first wasn't linked to the rest of the victims that Ronald killed because his family said that he owed someone money and maybe he was killed because he didn't pay them back. But when Ronald confessed to these murders, he said that he killed him. The 23rd and last confirmed victim was 27-year-old Chris Sutterfield. He met Ronald in 2006, and they began dating. But on October 14th, Ronald and Chris went on a date in Iberville Parish. Ronald hit Chris over the head with a heavy object, raped, and then strangled him to death. After his body was found, police interviewed family and friends, and they all said the same thing. That he had seen him with a man driving a black SUV, but they were unable to describe what he looked like. Now, this part of the story is about a man that tells his account of what happened in a documentary that I will have in the description box below. In November 2006, Ricky Wallace, a Bayou Blue resident, told his mother that he was having the same dreams over and over. His mom was really concerned, so she reached out to his parole officer, and when he asked what the dream was about, Ricky said that a man lured him into his trailer and offered drugs and having sex with his wife. Once he entered the trailer, the man told Ricky that he needs to be tied up first, and Ricky was like, no. They got into an argument, and then the man drove Ricky home. Police questioned if Ricky was telling the truth because he was involved with drugs and had lied to police before, but when they look and see the 23 unsolved murders, they took the chance and look into the man that Ricky was talking about. police found a man by the name of Ronald Dominique. They picked him up and took him to the police station. They took a sample of his DNA and one week later it came back as a match, having matched some of the victims. They were able to get a search warrant and on December 1st, 2006, Ronald was arrested at a homeless shelter. Ronald told the police that he knew he was going to get caught soon, so he left his sister's house. Ronald was at first only going to be charged with the murders of Oliver LeBanks and Manuel Reed because his DNA was found on those two, but he later confessed to all 23 murders. Even though he confessed, he refused to admit guilt in the killings. He said that all the men he came in contact with were aggressive and threatening, and he felt the need to kill them. 23 times. 23 times you felt the need to do that. Really. Ronald said that his main goal in all of this was to avoid prison time. He claimed that he wanted to get rid of any of the witnesses because if they didn't go to the police, he wouldn't get prison time. According to Ronald, when he was arrested in 1996 for the rape charges, it strongly impacted his mental well-being. Ronald accepted a plea bargain and on September 24, 2008, he was found guilty of all charges and sentenced to multiple life sentences where he will never be eligible for parole. And is currently at the Louisiana State Penitentiary. Again, I wish that, you know, police could have worked these cases and it not be a factor of whether they should try to solve these cases because they do or they don't have any money. I think that when someone has been murdered, the best thing that you can do for them and their family is give them the justice they deserve. And it shouldn't be put on a back burner just because they're involved in drugs or the color of their skin. And, you know, this isn't something that happened once, like, 200 years ago. This happens all the time, and it's way too common. When someone has been murdered, it's not a game of pick and choose. Everyone deserves justice. Also, can we talk about, like, why Ronald thought that he could kill people, and when bodies start showing up, people would turn a blind eye, and he would get away with it? Like, he nearly did. But, like, why would you kill people hoping to never get caught, knowing there's a great chance of you getting caught and spending the rest of your life in prison? That's interesting. I don't understand the psychological aspect of it. And I think if I was supposed to get a degree in forensic psychology, I still would question a lot of things. So, yeah. That is the end of today's story. I'm pretty sure it is a short one. Um, I'm very sorry about that. Um, yeah, it wasn't like a roller coaster of um crimes and stuff like that it wasn't like a Ted Bundy or a Jeffrey Dahmer this is Ronald Dominique and I've never heard anyone talk about this case before that's why I wanted to sit down and talk about it whether it's long whether it's short doesn't really matter I just wanted to get this story out because like I said before I've never heard anyone talk about this and I thought that it was really interesting because he basically nearly got away with murder and in Louisiana there is about like four serial killers like in that area and I find that crazy like like Florida produces a lot of serial killers I don't know I'm just talking at this point anyway maybe I'll cover those cases as well maybe I could I think that would be very interesting so if you guys would like that, you should let me know. So that is the end of today's story. I would love to know what you guys think. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for... <clears> throat> my throat's hurting a little bit. <laughs> Stay tuned for next week's episode that comes up every Thursday. You can follow my Instagram at Curiosity Pod where you can see the pictures of the case. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and rating because it helps me out so much. You can also request any case that you have through Instagram or Gmail, which I will have in the description box. And please be safe out there. Look out for one another. Until next time, bye everyone.